Good morning, church. Oh, there you go. Just like we practiced, right? (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm so glad to be here this morning. Uh, There's no better place to be in the house of God. And um, if you'd open your Bibles with me uh, to John chapter 13, I would like to share with you a few things that the Lord has shared with me. I told Brother, um, wait a minute, I didn't turn this, did I turn this on? on? All right, I'm good. Um, I told Brother Jason, I said, well, I'm going to get to talk about what the Lord's been teaching me all week, and even longer than that, but for some reason, back many moons ago, when I was in school, uh, the Lord spoke to my heart about this particular chapter. And we'll get to later what particular verse. You've, I'm sure all of you, well, most of you anyway, there's, there's been a verse of the Word of God that you've read over and over again, and then all of a sudden, you see it in a different way. It speaks to you personally. It jumps off the page. However you want to describe it, What's really happening is the, word, the Spirit of God is speaking to you about His Word. And I pray that's what happens today. I was praying earlier, because I know so much, right? I said, Lord... Help me have a strong, steady voice. Well, that's not happening, right? But the reason why it's not happening is before I came up, I said, you do what you want. I want your will done in everything. Now, with all that being said, I want to tell you this is that I am so glad to be a part of this local church. It is a great blessing, and it's it's just exciting to see what God is doing here. Uh, People are getting saved. People are joining the church. We're seeing baptisms. Praise God. We are seeing exactly what God intends for every New Testament church to do. Preaching the Word of God, living the Word of God in our lives, being what we should be for Christ. I was kidding Brother Gary. The first Sunday that we walked in, I, I didn't know anything about the church, really. Uh, Megan is the one that found it online. And Anyway, we came in, and Brother Gary, first thing out of his mouth, he shook my hand. He said, good to see you. He said, the pastor is from Crown. I said, well, we'll stay anyway. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad he was from Crown. He is from Crown. I went to Crown. That doesn't mean anything. I just went to Crown. It was a blessing. It really was. I praise God for Pastor Sexton and the staff. And 
mostly what God did there. It wasn't just the classes. I would say the classes were about that much. It's preaching the Word of God. And um, so after one service, I said, praise God. Not because Pastor Van Eamon is such a perfect and wonderful person. None of us are. But after hearing him preach one time, I knew his passion was for God and the Word of God. And that's what we need. And each of us can be the same way. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a deacon. You don't have to have any titles at all to love the Word of God and to live it. Now, I am excited about what God's doing here, and it won't be long that we're going to see some dirt turned over and there's going to be a new parking lot and there's whole kinds of things that's going to be going on it's scary, really, to me. There's a lot. I mean, we got stuff planned. and all, But the thing is, is we have to wait on God yeah, to do what God wants when He wants it. God will supply the need. He absolutely will. But you know, there's something for each of us as members of this church that we must do if we're going to continue to see the blessings of God on this place. And that's what we're going to look at here this morning. Okay? John chapter 13. Look at verse number 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he, may, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having uh, loved his own which were in the world, he loved them, unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God, and he went to God. He rises from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not to save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore he said, ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done, done to you? 
You call me Master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Let's pray. Dear Father, we, we are thankful for your son Jesus who came to this world and bled and died on Calvary's cross for our sins. We're thankful, God, that you redeemed us, that you paid the penalty for us that we could be your children and live in heaven with you one day. God, we praise you for all that you've done, for your great love and mercy to us. Now, God, as we continue on in your word, we pray that by your spirit that you would help us. God, help each and every one, whether in the pew or on the podium, to open our hearts to you. God, I pray that your spirit would do his eternal work. That if there's anyone here in this service that does not know you as their personal Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation. God, we love you. And we thank and praise you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to just take a breath and relax and to be prepared for what God is about to give you. If you've been with us on Thursday nights, we've been studying the book of John. Some of the chapters, not all of it. And many times we have heard the Lord say, it is not my time. It is not my time. It is not my time. Praise God this morning we get to hear him say, now. It was his hour. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. The whole reason why Christ came to this earth was singular. To save you and me from our sins. God. Amen. He didn't save you just from your past. He saved you from your present and your future. He got them all. Yes, he did. Some of us, some children of God, you know... I am amazed how God puts all these things together. The, the lesson, the Sunday school lesson, and this, and, and some of the, the singing, the mercy tree. We all need mercy. Now, mercy is God holding back what you deserve. God gives you mercy every day. 
as a child of God, you go out here and you do and you think and you say things that you absolutely shouldn't do. And God says, I'm not going to strike you dead right now, okay? He has that right. You belong to Him. I belong to Him. We're not our own anymore. But praise God, we can live for Him and we can glorify Him and we can be here and see what God's going to do. Oh, man. He says that He'll do abundantly above all that we ask Can you think big? Huh? Now, don't, you, don't any one of you lie to me this morning, all right? How many of you thought 14 people would be saved the first day in Oaxaca? Raise your hand. Jewel, you're lying to me. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody thought that. 14 people? Wow. Praise the Lord. That's a good start, right? Yeah. What's God going to do the rest of the week? Oh, I don't know, but I know one thing. It'll be great. I thank the Lord for what He's going to do there, and I thank the Lord for what He's doing here and what He will do here. You know, you have a part in what's going on down there. You pray for them. Every day. I pray that they're on your mind and on your heart. Just like you should be praying for one another. The first thing we see here, let's get to the message. So the first thing that we see here, first let me let me say in that verse first, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come that he should depart out of this world and to the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. If you'd like to, if you'd like to underline things in the Bible, I, I encourage you to underline that phrase, that last line there, he loved them unto the end. It's not talking about time, but in terms of readiness to save them and to serve them. In other words, he was going to go all the way. Whatever it took, he would do it. First thing we see here in this passage is the act of serving. The act of serving. In verse 2 it says, The supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, and that he was come from God, and that he went to God. I want you to think about what's going on here. This wasn't just any ordinary night. They're in the upper room. It's just before the time that Christ and the disciples will go into Gethsemane, and he will pray, and he will be betrayed, and tomorrow he will die on the cross. He's aware of all this. He's Almighty God. He knows it better than anybody knows. He knew exactly. But yet he decided that this night, that there was something 
that he had to tell the church. Now, some people believe, I don't know where you fit in this, and it, it doesn't matter. You can have your own opinion on this. Some believe that the church began at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit indwelt, when he empowered. Some believe that the, the church started with the disciples in Christ. That's where I land on this side of the, of the question. I believe it started with Christ. And these 11. So here we are in the upper room. And what Jesus is going to do is give them an object lesson. And he's the object. The King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. The one that left heaven to come to earth to pay the sin penalty for all of mankind. Almighty, all-knowing God. You remember he told Moses... Moses asked him, he said, who shall I send, say that sent me? And he said, I am that I am. Tell him I am sent you. And Jesus even said that here in this passage. I am. He knew that all things. He tells us in John chapter 28 and verse 18, he says, all power is given unto me, both in heaven and in earth. All power. Sometimes we live our lives as Christians as though he only has part power. We get some kind of crazy idea that there's a, there's a battle raging and we're not sure who's going to win. You better read the back of this book because the Lord won. He was always going to win. There was never a question in it. Just as there's never a question as to whether or not you can be saved. The devil wants you to think that there's a possibility that God Almighty will say, "Ah, ah, not this time. But he won't. He said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came for you. What are you going to do? Well, Jesus is going to give them an object lesson like none other. And he was going to do some things that was going to just completely blow their mind. In verse number 4, he riseth from supper and he laid aside his garments and took a towel and he girded it around himself. Now those men knew exactly what that meant. That he was becoming, he was identifying himself as a slave. Do you remember what, do you remember what Peter said to the Lord back in chapter 6? This was one of the, the chapters that we studied on Thursday night. This is where Jesus had um, fed the 5,000 and, and he told them that he was the bread of life. 
And he even went into it that, that they had to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And of course, he was talking about receiving him. He didn't mean literally eat his blood or eat his flesh or drink his blood. And the people just couldn't understand, couldn't take what he was saying. They didn't believe in him no more and they walked away. And there stood him and those 12 guys. And he says, let me, let me find it. And how did I get to there? Sorry. Here we go. He says in verse 67, he said, uh, then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure. Now listen to this. Peter said, we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. So when Jesus stood up and he took off that outer garment and he laid it aside and he girded that belt around him with that towel, and there's some details there to that towel too, but we're not, we don't have all day, right? But he was going to use that towel as he went through and served each one of those men. This, this lesson isn't about you and I washing each other's feet. So don't get excited. Jonathan, I'm not going to wash your feet. Okay, I'm sorry. You said, I'm glad. No, it's not about that. It's about the Lord teaching us as his children to serve and love one another. And he as almighty, omnipotent God was willing to take that towel, the symbol of slavery, and do give them the love and service that he wants us to do to each other. You know, those, those, those guys were not willing to do that even for him. They certainly wouldn't do it for each other. But there was God. They had entered that room. The custom was that when you entered a place, that there was always someone there that would wash your feet. There was no one there. So they just went on. Well, it wasn't an accident. <laughs> Jesus had something very special in mind for those guys. You know, the other thing that, that we have to think about here is that Judas Iscariot was one of them. He loved them all. You and I, we, we like to pick. and We like to say, well, this person I like a little more than that person, and, and I'll do this for this one, and I'll just ignore this one, right? Jesus taught us to love them all. So, we find here that the removing of, of that outer garment and he laid it aside was actually what Jesus was doing is he was getting it out of the way so he could do the job that he had to do. 
And you and I have to lay aside some things in our lives if we're going to do what we're supposed to do. Maybe you have to lay aside your career. Maybe you have to lay aside your children. Maybe you have to lay aside some kind of pleasure. Maybe you have to lay aside yourself. I don't know what it is you need to lay aside. That's between you and Almighty God. But I know that Jesus laid aside so that he could get the job done. Got it out of the way. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily a bad thing. But it was hindering. It was in the way at the time. So he laid it aside. Turn with me if you would. Now keep your place here in John chapter 13. We'll be back. But turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. So they see God Almighty putting on a slave belt and kneeling with a basin of water at their feet. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, he says, Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, or was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now there's all kinds of stuff there that you could underline and I would do that if I was you. But definitely underline, let this mind be in you. He's, he's talking here to the church. And he's telling us what we need to do. We need to have the mind of Christ. Not the mind of Pastor Van Amen or any other speaker that might come in here. Not my mind, not Jason's mind, not anybody's mind, but Christ. Right. And you find the mind of Christ in this book. You can't put it underneath your pillow and think that it's going to just absorb into your mind. I'll tell you what, one of the greatest lessons that God has ever taught me is the, the lesson of meditating on the Word of God. We get in such a hurry. We think, oh man, if I read this much, I'm okay. I've done what I should do. I'm going to just naturally grow. I'm okay now. No! I would say meditating on the Word of God is more important than just reading it. That's right. That's right. It's like an old cow. You put it in there and you chew on it, right? Then you bring it back up and you chew it some more. You keep chewing it, you keep chewing it, you keep chewing it. Why? Because there's still flavor there. Yeah, there's still stuff for God to tell you. I read this passage and I read this passage. It never dried up. Meditate on the Word of God and let Him speak to your heart. Let this mind be in you. 
Now, we'll get to this up here in a little bit, but in verse number 2, he wants us to be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, be of one mind. And you can make an arrow, this, be, let, us be, uh, let this mind be in you up to those things. That's what we need to be as a church. We need to have the mind of Christ together. We need to be locked in step with the Lord and His Word. And I believe that we are. And I pray that we always are. And the only way that's going to happen is if you and I individually do what we should do with Christ. And He's telling us to love one another. Back to John chapter 13. He says in verse number 6, He says, Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Can you imagine? Now you keep in mind back in chapter 6 what Peter said. We are sure and we know that Thou art the Christ. That Christ. The Son of the living God. Jesus never ceased to be God. That's right. Amen. He was God before He came here. Yes. He was God while He was here. And He's still God today. That's right. Yet some measly Created being has the audacity to say, No! You're not washing my feet. Forget it. Now don't get too hard on Peter. Because you and I do the same exact thing. There's many times in our lives we tell God no. You know, if you just say later, you know what you're really saying? No. When you put something off, you know that this is what the Lord wants you to do, but uh, you're putting it off. You're saying no. You're saying no to Almighty God. What's wrong with you and me? The problem with us is that we're not in the Word of God. We're not, being met, we're not meditating. We're not praying. We're not submitting ourselves to Him. And that's what Peter was doing here. Peter thought that this was absurd. This was crazy. I mean, how could this be going on? But the key was that Jesus said, you're not going to understand this right now, Peter, but you will. Yeah. You don't always understand what's going on. Yeah. Last time I checked, God's not obligated to give me an email before He does anything. And He certainly doesn't. He's in charge. We just have to believe Him. We have to trust Him. And we have to obey. You can believe all you want, but if you never obey, what good is it? So Peter said, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And then Jesus said, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Now, he wasn't talking about salvation here. Once you're saved, 
Praise God, it's for eternity. You can't lose it. You didn't gain it on your own. You can't throw it away on your own. God is the one that gives it to you. God's the one that keeps it. But you gotta you gotta understand here that back in those days they had bathhouses. And they would go to the bathhouse and they would bathe. And then when they went, I think it was a changing room or whatever, or when they went to their house, you know what happened? They didn't wear fancy shoes like this. Not fancy. Um, they had sandals. And then they got dirt on them. Your feet, I just took a bath and look at my feet. So when they would, they would go to that changing room or, or when they would go home, they would wash their feet. That symbolizes the dirt that we gather on ourselves going through this life. Every day, we gather filth on our feet in our lives. And we need cleansing. Jesus said, you're clean, but not all. Because he knew uh, Judas Iscariot was there. Judas was lost. Judas never came to Christ. Judas betrayed the Lord. Even at this particular time, Judas had already talked to the Pharisees and had already received the money. And then just a short length of time, he was going to go get the mob and bring them to Christ and give that betrayal kiss on the cheek. Not all of you is clean. But those of you that are clean, you need daily cleansing from this filthy world. And he told us in John chapter 1 and verse 9, if you'll confess your sins, I will cleanse you. <laughs> Praise God. The devil likes to come in and he'll whisper to you, how many times are you going to ask for forgiveness? There's no limit. God will not have fellowship with a dirty saint. But he will cleanse you. Yes, he will. Praise the Lord. You must be cleansed. And the only one that can cleanse you is Christ. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21. Some familiar passages that we've, we've been talking about in the past here. Verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Hmm, here's an idea. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ... So let the wives be unto their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ so loved the church and gave himself for it. Jesus was just about ready to leave that room and do exactly that. 
And what he was teaching those disciples that night was that important. Just before the cross, he was saying, Peter, you love John. You serve him. And vice versa. And this is what needs to be taught. That the church of the Almighty God must love and serve one another. If we're going to see the blessings of God, I'll tell you what, if we really get a hold of this, I think you've seen pictures of people where their hair is blowing back. <laughs> yeah. It will be that powerful. A lot more than that even. God wants to move in a marvelous way if we'll just allow it. We'll get out of the way. Obey Him. Look at verse 26. This is why He does it. That He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. Didn't He get a basin of water? Yeah. It symbolizes the Word of God and we must be cleansed by the Word. In John chapter 15, in verse 3, he says, Now ye are clean through the Word which I have spoken unto you. In John chapter 17, in verse 17, he says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. So the cleansing and the sanctification that we need is through the Word of God. And I can't say it enough. Meditate, 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 meditate on the Word of God. Quit worrying about how much you're reading and take a portion of Scripture and pour your heart into it. Read it and let God talk to you, speak to you, teach you. Praise His holy name. We need, we need cleansing and we need sanctified. And we understand that sanctification is the ongoing work of God in our life and it will not end until we get to glory, making us like Christ. The act of cleansing. And then last we see the, the, the act of surrender. Look at verse number 12 of our text. John chapter 13, verse 12. So after that, or so after he washed their feet and had taken his garments, he was set down again and he said unto them, Know ye what I have done unto you? In other words, do you understand what's going on here? And I might say the same thing to you. Do you get it? Do you know what God's saying to you? In verse 13, he says, You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so... What's that word? I am. There we got it again. I am. That wasn't an accident. Right. I am that I am. For so I am. We like to call him Master and Lord. 
But are we treating him like master and lord? Are we treating him like he's the, the master teacher? Back in that day, it meant that. It meant that he was the rabbi. He, he, had, he had respect. At least among his people. The world hated him. They always hated him. They still hate him. But you're not of the world. Lord means that he's the owner. He owns you. Do you act like he owns you? You know, I've been trying to, and I used to do this, and then I got out of not doing it anymore, and, and I'm trying to do it again. And, and usually when you say it, people kind of, even Christians, they go, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll get ready to go somewhere. I'll say, well, I'll be back in a little bit, Lord willing. Or I'll do this or that, Lord willing. Always Lord willing. And they go, what are you saying that for? Because he has to be willing. Yeah. It's not just about me. He says in 14, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Jonathan, again, I'm not going to wash your feet, buddy. All right? They're probably really clean anyway. No, it's not about that. It's about serving and loving each other. Not saying you love, but showing you love. Verse 15, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. There's no greater example than Jesus Christ. And this was important enough just before his crucifixion for him to show each one of those men that this act of service within the local church must, must, must be done. I'm thanking God that we are a friendly church. I see it every Sunday, Wednesday, or Wednesday. Well, I was here and nobody showed up. No. Thursday. <laughs> Every time I'm here, I see the, the friendliness. And it's genuine. I'm not saying it's not. You care. But Jesus is not talking about being friendly here. He's talking about loving one another. Putting yourself down and putting them up. Being more concerned about what's going on in their life than you are about what's going on in your life. Praying for them. You know, either, either we, have, we have a group of people that have uh, perfect memories, or we just don't care. Because every time someone asks for prayer, we should be writing it down. Because I know I forget. And the only reason why I wouldn't is I'm not prepared or something, but that's easily corrected, right? We need to pray for one another. Why? Because we love one another. We need to serve one another. Obedience brings happiness. You see, it isn't in the knowing. You can be a scholar. You can, know, you can quote 
You can quote this Bible to me if you want to. That's great. I'm glad that you have the capability and you can do it and you know what's in the Word of God. But happiness isn't in that. It's in doing. You have to do it. Back to Philippians chapter 2. We'll finish that there. In verse number 1, he says, If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bows and mercies. You see, if we do what we're supposed to do, the Lord will supply all of these things to this church. Mercy and and, and, and compassion. You find yourself being compassionate to somebody, you know what you can know? It isn't because of you. It's because of Christ. It's not natural for me to love Jason. Jason's a good guy. I like him. But man, come on. It's not about me. It's about Christ in me. And if anybody in here happens to love this ugly mug, it isn't because of you. It's because you're allowing Christ to work in your life. He says in verse 2, Fulfill, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same mind, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Putting the other first. Foot washing is not an ordinance of the church. It was an example. It was one of the greatest, I would say the greatest object lesson that was ever given. Even Peter, if you'll read 1 Peter, you will see things that Peter said that come back to this. It's stuck in his mind. Of course, the Holy Spirit told him what to say. But we must love and serve one another. He said in verse 17, If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. You have to do it. And the blessings of Almighty God will be evident in your life and in the life of this church because of our obedience to Him. Let's bow our heads in, in prayer, please.